Well, welcome everyone. This episode is particularly special for me because I have the opportunity finally upon very popular request to interview my little sister, the current Miss Nebraska, Allie Swanson. We had an amazing time just hanging out as sisters, but also she answered a lot of the frequent questions that you guys have been asking me that she just has an even better perspective on having just gone through Miss America three months ago. So I can definitely tell that this is going to be one where we need a part two or maybe even a part three. And just as kind of a word to the wise, Allie and I are actually running a special right now doing paperwork for Miss America 2.0 candidates. So if that's something that you are in need of, DM us on Instagram or email info at powerhousepageantry.com and we'd love to hook you up. So without further ado, please enjoy this podcast with the wisdom of my little sister, Allie Swanson. Well, welcome everyone to this episode of the podcast. This is a very, very special episode that so many of you guys have literally been requesting since I started the podcast and it has not been able to happen yet because of the nature of the craziness of our years. And so I want to very, very warmly welcome my little sister, Allie Swanson, the current Miss Nebraska to the Powerhouse Podcast. Thank you, Allie, for being on the show. Yeah, no problem. So for those of you guys who have been living under a rock, um, it's a very interesting year in the Swanson household because now since season one, so much has happened. But for those of you guys who have any touch in the pageant world at all, you know that my sister Allie is the current Miss Nebraska and the Miss America organization, and she has done some absolutely incredible things over the past, gosh, it'd be what, eight months now? Nine months in March as of next week, correct? It is March. Yeah. I know. Well, yes, obviously <laughs> yeah. it's March 2nd, but now it'll be nine months. So um, I can't believe how much the year has flown by. And for those of you guys who haven't been kind of watching or maybe who are new listeners, um, about two months ago now, I won Miss Nebraska USA. And so we are, we think maybe like the third sisters to ever do that in the history of, you know, pageantry, but it's never happened in Nebraska. So we get six months of overlap and it's been such an incredible journey. Um, we're best friends and all that good stuff. But Allie, why don't you just kind of give us uh, a little bit more about yourself of things that people don't know about you outside of pageantry, but also certainly just who you are as a person, even within pageantry. Yeah. Um, well, hi, my name is Allie Swanson. I'm 25 years old. And like she said, I'm the current Miss Nebraska. And this past year has been a complete whirlwind. It is so true that you really grow so much as a person when you become not only a state title holder, but even a local title holder. And I'm very thankful for the Miss America organization for what it's done for my life between the scholarships that I've been able to mm -hmm. earn north of $30,000. I got to put towards my master's degree. Um, getting that completely paid for was solely because of the Miss America and Miss Nebraska organizations, which was awesome. But I grew up in the pageant community and I didn't really grow up around pageants. I was an athlete for my whole life. I was actually a two-time All-American athlete in college and scholar All-American three-year team captain. Basically, basketball was my life, that and music. I went to a smaller liberal arts college where I was very fortunate enough to play basketball and be a music minor at the same time, which was kind of cool and kind of why I chose my university. But after I graduated with an advertising and publications degree in the music business minor, I kind of was just exploring life, trying to figure out what the next step for me was. And basically I was, Megan and I were traveling down to Missouri and she turns to me and she's like, you know, have you ever thought about doing Miss Nebraska? I'm like, well, yes, obviously, but I just don't know. And she's like, well, if you, if you don't do it, would you regret it? And basically my answer was yes. And I, I took the jump and I tried my first local pageant, which was Miss Omaha back in 2017, winning the title of Miss Omaha. And that took me into this whirlwind of the Miss America organization and came for Miss Nebraska the first time. And the first time I competed for Miss Nebraska, unlike Megan, one time wonder over here, <laughs> um, I placed top five. But I did not come home with the title of Miss Nebraska the first time, mm -hmm. which is a huge part of my story because I think a lot of the girls listening and a lot of people in life can really relate to really trying at something mm -hmm. and, well, failing the first time. And it's, it's a lot of how you view that failure and how you rise up on the other side of it, right? So I placed top five the first time. I won a ton of scholarship money. 
And um, I, sorry, <laughs> I placed top five the first time and I won a ton of scholarship money, which was amazing. Mm-hmm. And it kind of opened my eyes to the, what this organization that came back the second year, won Miss Heartland and then ended up winning Miss Nebraska, which takes us to where we are today. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And for those of you guys listening, um, cause I know we cut out a little bit, I don't know if it's the Wi-Fi, but Allie was talking about how she placed in the top five the first time. And then the second time that she competed, she came home with the title, which is so amazing. And we're going to talk about this in a second, how she really handled that disappointment. And for those of you guys who haven't listened to the previous episode on who you are, um, versus what you do, that's a really, really great episode to listen to. If you struggle with that, we are huge proponents around here at powerhouse pageantry and the powerhouse project of really separating your identity from what you do. But before we kind of dive deep into that and Ali's social impact, which she has done an incredible amount of work for, I just kind of want to start with a little bit lighter of an approach um, because obviously Ali and I are sisters. And so we get to see each other a couple days a week. We both have absolutely insane schedules. And so sometimes we're high-fiving and passing. But um, Ali, let's just kind of do a couple quick um, questions of what maybe people have about us as sisters. So uh, okay. I didn't I didn't prepare her for this at all, you guys who are listening. So this will be legitimately Allie and I, um, just off the cuff. But Allie, what would you say are some of the similarities between you and I that most people would or wouldn't know? And what are some of the biggest differences between you and I? Other than last week, you guys, by the way, we were uh, walking in Omaha Fashion Week. And it's so funny because some people totally know that we're sisters right away. And then some people we have to convince for like 10 yeah. minutes because they le- like legitimately do not believe that we're sisters. So what would you say to that, Allie? Okay. So ways that we're alike and ways that we're not alike. Yeah. To sum that all up. Uh, yeah. Megan and I growing up were involved in a lot of the same things. So she played basketball. I played basketball. We both played, I mean, volleyball. I think we both did, you did cross country. I did track. We both in music. Um, some differences. I mean, I did band and Megan didn't. She played the cello and orchestra, and I rocked the trumpet and marching band. Super proud of that. Um, but Megan was kind of the trailblazer growing up, and I followed in her footsteps. And because I'm a type three achiever personality, <laughs> what the shout out to all my three twos out there. Oh my god. Um, I my mission literally coming up was Megan set the bar, and I was like, let's see if I can <laughs> raise it. <laughs> That's literally like. So much of what's ingrained in me is to like set goals, achieve them, set goals, achieve them, set goals, achieve mm-hmm. them. And so I think that that's a big difference between Megan and I is like, well, our personalities is the first thing that pops into my head. She's an mm-hmm. eight and I am a three. And those are very two different things. And I'm referencing Enneagram. If you're, if you listen to Megan, you probably know what that is. And you <laughs> probably will focus on that by now. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's one of our big differences. And I think another difference is really our platforms when we've both been Miss Nebraska. Megan's was more about spirit, soul, body, total body wellness, and mine about social media safety. And so that is another difference that I'm, it's kind of cool that we both have something that's so different and we've both made an impact in Nebraska and are continuing to make an impact, but just in totally different lanes, which is a cool part of honestly just patterns that you get to do that. Yeah. There's so much I want to talk about because obviously there have been so many layers to this journey, um, starting two and a half years ago. Um, why don't you walk us through some of the highest highs that you've had so far in competing in pageantry of what you feel like has brought you to today. So for example, like you were a basketball player, how in the world did you even select your social impact and how has that navigate navigation, um, operate over the past two and a half years. Because I think about um, when we were having those conversations in the kitchen table and we were thinking about, okay, I got to compete in this pageant. Yeah. Um, this is what I do. How has your social impact developed and how has that helped you develop as a person over the last two years? Yeah. Well, first of all, you said something about basketball. I think that being an athlete growing up and just specifically a college athlete really instilled in me a lot of drive and hard work and really overall good qualities that directly translate to pageantry and just public speaking and honestly being an adult. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But through the two-a-day practices, through the pushing your body and your mindset and all of that that I learned being a college athlete, really I translate those skills to pageantry 
in a different way, maybe not with my physical fitness or with my athleticism, Mm -hmm. but now it's with my mindset and with my drive for knowledge on current events and my passion to pursue excellence in my social impact initiative, in my public speaking and just overall adulting, like or and just being a businesswoman and being aware of my brand. Like I learned all those skills. Sorry, my refrigerator just went nuts. Um, (laughs) I learned all those skills growing up and then pursued them even more in basketball. And I I do it now as well. But just a little bit about my story. My passion for social media safety and privacy came out of really, I was bullied growing up being six feet tall and a 12 year old girl. Um, That's a huge part of my story that I tell when I go and do school talks because I was heads and shoulders taller than my classmates, boys, girls, literally everything. And I thought that I didn't belong. I thought that I was like an accident. I didn't understand why I was so tall and physically stood out and people bullied me based off of something that I couldn't physically change. So I walked around with my shoulders slumped over and, you know, kids picked on me and they called me every name growing up or every name in the book about being tall, which I don't think that they thought that they were being cruel or rude, but as a growing girl who everybody goes through that kind of identity crisis when you're in middle school or whatever age you want to say, because it happens in a different age for everyone's life. But for me, that was like 12, 13 years old. And that was kind of the start of um, my quest for my own identity. And it wasn't until later in my life that I really found some good mentors to surround myself with that could Mm -hmm. really speak positively into my life and say, hey, you know what? You were born on purpose for a purpose. And those people just don't know. And a lot of the reason why people poke fun at you is because they see something that intimidates them or they see something that they want and they're jealous or envious of. And that comes out through Mm -hmm. bullying or comes out through nitpicking. And I thought this would just stop in middle school or high school, but it actually continued on the into college in an online platform also called cyberbullying. And this came in a couple different ways, but I was playing against the defending national champions for my basketball team on their home floor. And this moment was like that movie moment. If you've ever seen like coach Carter or any of those basketball movies, like we beat the defending national champions and it was the best feeling in the entire world. I was an upperclassman. It was that moment. We went to overtime. I had the game winning block. I had a double double that game. It was like, mm, like so, so, so good. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I went to school down in Missouri and I get back on the bus to text my friends and some family members about the game. And I open a message or I open a frequent social media app that I went on almost every day. And I opened a message of hate speech that actually targeted and threatened my life. And it was from somebody anonymous that had created an anonymous account and found my profile. And in this moment, I really went from the highest high of winning this basketball game. Sorry, my refrigerator. Um, (laughs) Winning this basketball game to feeling about this big and really becoming a victim of social media targeting and hate speech. And I was basically scared into silence. I didn't know what to do. I was told, you know, if you tell, if you tell anybody about this message, X, Y, Z, all mm-hmm. because of to what I assume my basketball team beat their team and somebody couldn't handle it. So they felt the need to pursue vengeance in an online platform. And this experience kind of raised a lot of questions in my mind. Number one, how did they even find my online profile? And I thought I was obeying privacy and safety restrictions on social media. And I thought I was being safe. You know, I was the kid who got really good grades. I was the overachiever. I was popular on campus. I wasn't, I mean, not popular, whatever. I was like an athlete, kind of stayed in my own lane. And I just didn't understand why something like that would happen to me, right? And you never think that it is going to until it does. Mm -hmm. And you can apply that principle to a lot of different things. Fast forward a little bit, I also had my identity stolen in college. I had someone create a fake online dating account of me on Tinder and was swiping. They stole a picture right off of my Facebook and they were swiping left and right, matching with people around the surrounding area. And so that got awkward when people thought that they were matching with me. The police had to get involved, et cetera. It was the whole shebang. And then finally, I remember playing a different basketball game. And don't get me wrong, my college basketball experience was amazing. Like, I was a two-time All-American. I loved it, (laughs) loved it, loved it, loved it. Um, But these are just, like, freak things that just happened to me and kind of fueled my passion for social media safety. And the third thing that happened to me, uh, there was an anonymous app that um, came out and was popular at the time. It's kind of died down a little bit now. But ironically, on the way to this game, one of my teammates was like, hey, Allie, have you ever heard of this app before? And I was like, no. 
I was trying to not be addicted to social media during the season because you already have so much going on trying to balance life, school, athletics, whatever. And basically, long story short, at the after the conclusion of this game, somebody had found some personal information about me and posted it on this anonymous chat platform where you can up or down information. And so when I'm leaving this area, this geolocation, my address is out there for the whole world to see. And that's a huge privacy and safety concern because that was my home address of my parents, not only my school address, right? So just people are malicious online. And I I really, it started with the bullying in middle school that it kind of opened me up to this behavior of people and then transitioned to cyberbullying and then these other instances. So after I graduated from undergrad, I teamed up with a nonprofit here in Omaha where I got a job and really learned so much about the field of online safety and mm-hmm. how much it's so needed in our culture, in our educational system, in our families, in our politics, mm-hmm. and honestly in pageantry. Because what I found is that so many pageant girls do participate in this unsafe social media behavior because it's the culture that we live in and they don't know yeah. any better. And yeah. so part of what I've tried to do over my year is train my girls in Nebraska and try to train students, parents, and educators in schools in different counties all over on this topic so that the instances that happen to me don't happen to other people that are around. Yeah, that's so good. Um, I remember all those moments. I was at that basketball game for those of you guys who are listening um, or watching this later because we'll post parts of this on social media. Um, and I remember how terrified she was. I remember we all got a text as a family and she was just like, uh, what do I do? Because this is a moment where you think that this is just something that happens to everybody else or happens to people who hang out with bad people or, you know, whatever. And it wasn't. And in a moment she had a decision to make. But I also think that sometimes, um, God has a funny way of using experiences like that to point you towards your calling. And, um, God totally did that for her. And it was so cool to watch Allie transform of this fire in her belly. And now she's been able to do things like partner with the FBI and spoke at a Microsoft conference, right. And, um, do all these incredible things. And so it's just so cool to see. And for those of you guys too, because a lot of you guys listening will change your social impact pitch. Sometimes obviously stuff in the Miss America organization has changed, or maybe you want to switch, um, into a different kind of passion or calling from teen to miss. And so I just encourage you guys to keep your head on a swivel and look out for the things that are already, um, that you're already triumphing over in your own life, because you're going to have a passion for them. And judges want to see that deep rooted passion where it's not just something that you picked out of the air, but it's truly something that you've had to walk through because firsthand knowledge and experience and observation is always going to be more powerful than second or third hand. So my next question for you, Allie is, uh, and kind of closing out this platform social impact section is where, where are we going wrong in our nation right now on a parent level, on an educator level and on a governmental level? And can you teach people a little bit about COPA laws? Yeah. Well, I will start to say that my normal talks answering that question are minutes <laughs> to an hour. So yes. if you want to book me, email mrbraska19 at gmail.com. Um, Perfect. Wow, so much there. I actually literally just got off of a Zoom call with somebody who is interested in big data. And we were kind of mm-hmm. talking about different partnerships and stuff. But in Give us like the, the bullet point one or two lines, heads of the paragraph. And then we can, you guys can go follow her later. And like we said, book her for a talk because she's a master at this, but try and condense it. So rundown, elevator speech. There are 4 billion people every single day that access the internet. And the average hours spent online for an American is 10 and a half hours. Okay. Mm. And then there's these things called COPA laws, Child Online Protection and Privacy Act, that basically makes it illegal for people under the age of 13 to have social media. Why? That's the federal government passing a law because they understand that the mental capacity of the mental capacity needed to be on social mm-hmm. media and to understand the ramifications of your actions, mm-hmm. it, it takes a developed brain, right? And yeah. so the government thinks that and science together, you're not at that point until you reach age 13. Okay. So in all those bylines that people scroll through when you're saying check check the box and I want to be on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, whatever the heck 
app you're using, right? That box says that you're 13 because these apps, most of them have to be COPA compliant. Yep. And so that's a huge point that I hit on when I do presentations, because if you're under the age of 13, there is so much underage social media use going on. How many social media accounts do you see of little kids or like a 10 year old posting a video? And it just opens the door for so much unsafe behavior and comparison yep. and just all of this gunk that's in our world today online. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I've, I've been to one of Allie's talks. I saw her speak at a school of like a thousand women. It was amazing. And it was before I was Mr. Rasky USA. And it was such cool, such a cool experience because you, I get to watch from just a fly on the wall standpoint of, you know, she does several hand raising exercises. And I think what was it like 80% of them didn't have a Facebook anymore. And all these, yeah. so many of these people were like even under the age of 13 and have absolutely no idea. So why don't you speak on that a little bit? And okay. then I have another question after that. So it's interesting because we are both millennials. I'm 25. Megan's, you know, going to be 27, right? Yeah, like a month. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so it's interesting because I get people to understand that your social media habits, right, depending on your age, depending on where you go to school, your socioeconomic status, your yep your range of where you're located in the United States is going to differ from somebody even the same age as you. And it's going to differ from somebody even just a few years younger or older than you. Right. Mm -hmm. And so one of the powerful things that I do when I go into a school is I, I send them the survey. And so I can get the real stats on the students that I'm talking to. And yeah. so I put up those graphs on my slide and say, Hey, these are the social media apps that I know that you guys are on. So let's talk about this. And mm -hmm. one of the things that I majorly hit on is, Hey, okay. So I'm speaking at a high school right here, say whatever you want to call it, like high school a, okay. 10 miles away is high school B. They're in the exact same mega city and their social media habits could be completely different. So one high school, I'll use Omaha, for example, there's one high school here that I went to Twitter is like the thing. Twitter is the most huh. popular app for that high school, 10 miles away, 10 miles away. It's Snapchat is the most popular app. And so mm -hmm. when I tell high schoolers that, or just really anybody opens your eyes because you have such an assumption that your social media habits and your behavior is everyone else in the world, right? Mm -hmm. Or even other people your age when that's not true, especially for minors, because mm -hmm. it has so much to do with what their school culture is and what really the culture of what is being inputted into their surroundings, right? What do their mm -hmm. parents use? What do the people who are most influential in their life, what are they using? Mm -hmm. And so really that baseline helps me dive deep into those specific apps. So I'm not talking about an app that doesn't really apply because yeah. really you see Facebook users are our age and up, not really a little bit younger than us. And you see new apps like TikTok and Snapchat really having this huge cultural influence and then no one's talking about the safety aspects of the unsafe behavior that's happening on these apps. Yeah. So obviously we could talk for a million years um, <laughs> about this kind of stuff, but what are the overarching things that you, so my audience is typically 13 to about 35, um, right. but also they're going to go home and tell their parents about this. So can you give us the, the safety and privacy bullet points um, obviously like minors, like little things like minors should have their individual, um, profiles on private, like mm -hmm. things like that, but also the, the immediate ramifications of the illegal behavior that most kids don't think through. And most parents and educators don't know. That's something that you've really opened my eyes to that because COPA laws are in place, even like the criminal ramifications of things that can happen to parents. So First question, initial ways that children can protect themselves. And secondly, how does, if they don't, that affect parents and teachers and how can we help them? So two things pop into my head. The first thing is just overall uh, personal information. So identifying what that is, is a huge thing because a lot of people don't even know how to identify that. So that's mm -hmm. your name, address, phone number, unique things about you, unique data points about you. Um, yeah. There are 700 data points on the average American at all times. And so there's that's wow. 700 details about you that are just floating around on your wow. online presence, which is wow. crazy. And that's the average. So there's more than that and less than that wow. depending on the user. But really, when you identify what personal information is, you know then that that and you understand that that should not be shared online in a bio um, and it should be restricted access to a small number of people a few number of people or if you're a minor specifically that should never be shared and that is something that can really help protect you online because someone who 
is a perpetrator or tries to target you online can't use that behavior or use those data points against you um, if, if it's not even online in the first place, right? So mm -hmm. I get kids to at first identify that personal information, your name, address, phone number, school you go to, your neighborhood you live in, you know, all of those things, what kind of car you drive, that sometimes we just post in a picture or in a caption and we don't even think about it, right? Yeah. If you're a minor, people can use, you know, fragments of data points, string them together, and they know your location, they know your habits, and if they want to harm you, they can, and that's a really scary thing. So I get people to think through that and yeah, really good. analyze their social media, and if they have those things, delete them and take them down immediately. The yeah. second thing that you were referencing really with habits, with students, I really get them to think through that what you do online lasts forever, even if you delete it. And there are several examples of this specifically on social media where even if you delete it off of their site that they house it for a period of time or for forever on their data farms. Mm -hmm. And they can use those materials in marketing materials or it really it's their property, even though it was on your private or um, public account. Right. Mm -hmm. And so for kids specifically, what you post online can affect your future college admittance. It can affect your jobs later on, because one of my first jobs that I got out of college, I had I had my um, the person interviewing me. Right. She pulled three pictures from my social media and put them down in front of me and said, explain this. What were you doing? Wow. Why did you and one of them was from high school. And I was like, oh, uh, I was this was after marching band. And I. We had a bunch of candy, like, I don't know. And it was just something that totally wasn't part of my brand right that. now at all. It wasn't yeah. part of my brand at all. Like, and I didn't even honestly remember it. I had to think through who I was with. I haven't talked to those people in what, 10 years I'm out mm -hmm. of high school and my employer put it down in front of me. So I say that to students and their eyes get all huge, mm -hmm. you know, like mm -hmm. I would never even think that I'm 12 years old. And I post this picture of me and my friends, maybe with Slurpees or at the movies or whatever that 10 years yep. down the road. In my professional job that my employees yep. yeah. And the third part of this that's humongous right now, like a huge, huge, huge issue with all of these of uh, excuse me, viral social media trends going on and overall visual apps is child pornography. And this is a huge thing because with yep. with platforms like Snapchat and video sharing apps and photo sharing apps, you think that sending that message is for a short term period of time and that it goes away when in fact it doesn't. And you know, if somebody has possession of another minor, there are huge implications that have that uh, legally that can be taken against that person, the person in yep. the picture, the person who distributes that picture. And then another thing for parents is that, you know, you own the phones that your kids are using. And mm -hmm. so if you're not monitoring this behavior and your kid gets caught with another student's picture of an unclothed, you know, person that is child pornography and you as a parent can be prosecuted as well. And, and you know, I'm trying to fight for updated laws in the state of Nebraska and around the United States, but they're so not updated. And, you know, you could spend years and years and years and thousands of dollars in fines off of this topic because people just don't know and yep. they're not checking their kids' phones. Okay, yeah. I'll get off the soapbox. Sorry, that was a little long. <laughs> no, that's great. And I hope that for you guys listening, just know that you can reach out to Allie. Um, she loves to answer these questions. She already gave her email out. That's probably the, the best way to reach out to her so she doesn't get 8,000 DMs. But Allie, you can speak to that, whatever you, you prefer. Too, okay, you can DM her too. <laughs> yeah, it's at Miss America NE. Um, if you want to reach out to her there, um, probably about this kind of stuff, that's the best Instagram for that. But she's extremely knowledgeable in this. And it is it is one of the greatest um, things that's facing our next generation. We can't avoid it. We can't just not talk about it. And I think that's why she's been tremendously successful in getting into schools as Miss Nebraska. I get a question a lot of times, um, from clients or even just people online that have trouble getting into schools. And what I always tell people is, you know, maybe take a look at what your, your social impact is all about. Or if you're a USA person, um, you know, a lot of people still have platforms that they're passionate about or missions that they're passionate about and really take a look at yourself and say, Hey, like, is this something that's really relevant for now? Because, um, when something is relevant, you, you really shouldn't have a tremendously hard time in schools because the fact of the matter is, um, you know, Allie has knowledge that teachers don't know. And, um, 
I really believe that every pageant contestant should kind of have two or three TED talks, if you will, that you can talk about. Because um, if you really wholeheartedly believe that you want to be the solution in something, then you should be solving a real problem that currently typically the educational system has not figured out yet because they have a million things to focus on. Um, And so I would just encourage you guys. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So, so just as an encouragement to you guys, always position yourselves like sales training, but always position yourselves as the solution rather than saying like, Oh, well, can I please come do this? Can I please, can I please? No, no, no. It's, Hey, what are some of the greatest uh, problems that are facing your school right now? I have a I have a variety of options that I can talk about as Miss Nebraska. Which one of these do you feel like fits your brand the best? Yeah. Allie, what have you found in being able to do that? Um, can you speak to that a little bit? Absolutely. I think the most popular talks that I've given outside of my social impact initiative that schools are hungry for, number one is leadership. I have mm. talked about that multiple times. Like it, it will benefit you even as a local title holder listening to have like a 15 minute talk that you can incorporate your social impact initiative or platform if you're a USA um, title holder or soon to be title holder, but like 15 minutes, talk about leadership. And if you're a pageant girl, you should be able to talk about that because mm. you should have leadership roles. That's something that should be on your paperwork. You should mm-hmm. have achievements. Like those are all things that take leadership and mm. you can, you should be able to talk to people about where you started and how you got to where you are today. Mm-hmm. And being able to articulate that is so powerful, especially as a woman communicating that to young female students, their eyes just get huge. And if you can mm-hmm. deliver that with passion, like the back of your hand, that's something that you, you can always, it's always marketable. And any, I could give that talk in an organization, in a school, in a church, in a business, like whatever it is. Right. Yep. Um, then the second thing too, of how to have really an effective social impact initiative or platform, at least in my experience, I ran mine like a business. Mm-hmm. Okay. And this kind of gets into like the question, what does it take to be a successful title holder, which I was just going to ask you that next people ask all the time, right? I don't worry. I read your mind. Um, <laughs> but people ask that all the time to state title holders, to Miss America's, to Miss mm-hmm. USA's, right? It's like, what does it take? Like, how do I get there? And the first thing that pops into my head is the more personal development, the more you can dig deep into your mindset and identity of knowing who you are and being able to preach it from a mountaintop, no matter the circumstance, no matter what last minute changes happen during pageant week or at your speaking engagement, right? If you know who you are, it's going to ooze out of you. It's not going to take practice because it's just inherently in you. And that doesn't come without practice. That doesn't come without, you know, the pressure of being in different situations that do make you uncomfortable, not Mm. in like a unsafe way. Unsafe. Yeah in a, in a like, okay, I'm, I'm speaking for an audience that I've never spoken to before, or this is a bigger crowd than I've ever spoken to before. You know, it, 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 situations like that, that get you out of your comfort zone, those are good for you. That's what helps mold you and gains your confidence and in, in kind of hones in your craft, right? Mm-hmm. But for your social impact initiative, for me personally, Megan kind of touched on a few of uh, my partners, but going into nationals, I had partnerships or I say friends with connections mm-hmm. at Smart Gen Society, NetSmarts, the Center for Missing Exploited Children, Microsoft, DigiGirls, Teammates Organization, Stature, FBI, and I think that's it. But mm-hmm. so before I went into the job interview as Miss America, I, or p- potentially trying to go to the, for the job of Miss America, right? I was like, I want to answer the unanswered questions that I know a judge is going to have for me, right? So why is my issue, why do I believe my issue is the number one issue in the world? Mm-hmm. What, what questions can I answer for you in my, in my um, elevator speech so you don't have to ask me those questions, right? Mm-hmm. Can I go ahead and prepare the why, the why answers to your questions? Why am I passionate? Why is it relevant? Why is this necessary? How can I apply this to any scenario you throw me in? That from a judge's standpoint, just prepares you and proves that you're ready for the job of Miss whatever, right? And honestly, those are just good life skills to hone in because you're going to use them forever. But everything from, gosh, I I remember back to when I was even just crafting, my coaches would say like, okay, craft your elevator speech. Because if people ask you something about your social impact initiative, you have to be able to say it. What are your three Mm -hmm. points? Okay. And the more I learned and the more I was discovering more about this topic, the more I was constantly updating and changing that verbiage because I I needed it to constantly feel like me all the time and me just 
regurgitating three points that I wrote like a year ago. It's still about my platform, but it's not the most relevant language. It's not authentic, right? So mm-hmm. I'm constantly creating new mm-hmm. verbiage that fits with my craft, right? Mm-hmm. Obviously, this is about social media, so it is ever changing, and so it's a little bit different. But honing in and being really specific on the details regarding your social impact initiative, like people notice that literally. Like if you can be coherent with as many Seriously. things as possible, and just think through all the details and be organized like that. As a judge, I'd be like, oh my gosh, yes. Like I can exactly that's it. Like you, you're not regurgitating information to me. You're not like, my three points are privacy, safety, and content. Let me tell you about privacy. Copa laws are no, like, <laughs> and I know I'm getting a little fired up here, but like <laughs> think about why if you think about why companies like Nike, Facebook, Starbucks, the the brand of the organization is so well known is because they Come know on. exactly what they do. Apple yep. I just heard a talk like or a talk on this on Sunday. What does Apple do? They make four computers, mm-hmm. right? They're arguably the best computer company in the world. If you're a Samsung user or you hate Apple, sorry, but like they make four computers, right? If they're the expert in computers, why don't they make 200 computers, different kinds mm-hmm. of computers? Because they know their lane, they know their craft, they know exactly what message they want, and they fine tune details of the same kind of computer, right? Mm. Think about that as your social impact initiative. How can you fine tune the details so that your message can pierce through to any any listener? Yep. If you understand that, your passion is going to reign true. You're not going to be nervous when you get asked or you booked to do any kind of scenario, any kind of uh, circumstance. You could be an arena yep. full of people and be like, "Cool, I got it. I get to tell all these people about." my passion and all that. And that's your mindset training. That is your identity training. That is your personal development training that is constantly growing it. And so what I like to say is running it like a business, because if you were the CEO of a company and you're making money for it, like you have passion behind it. And guess what? You can make money as a title holder. I'm proof of that. If you have any questions on that, DM me, right. Or, or email me. Like it, it doesn't, you will get rewarded for the work that you put into it. Come on. Yeah. (laughs) I love it. So the great thing about this is that, um, for those of you guys listening and my clients listening, like Allie just used like the exact language even that I use and I did not put her up to this whatsoever. So I said something that made my clients laugh the other day in the inner circle. I think it was last month and I will preach to them. I say, live your lane, live your lane, live your lane, live your lane. Don't try and be anybody else's lane. Don't look in their lane. Don't compare yourself to the color of their lane. Don't compare yourself to the size of their lane. Anything, you guys, just go dig deeper and make your lane bigger. Make your lane what it wants to be. Decorate it how you want it to be. And that is so powerful. And I just want you guys to walk away with this. And we're going to have to do a part two because we have to go in like five minutes. But there's so much more we can talk about. But um, you guys, it is so important. If there's one thing that you get from this, notice how Ali said, and I did not put her up to this. Okay. Mindset and identity training. Why do I harp on this at powerhouse pageantry? Why do I harp on this? If you're a business client of mine at powerhouse project, because if you do not believe that you can, you will not do anything. I don't care what your Enneagram is. I don't care. And that's a lot coming from me. Um, I don't care what your Enneagram is. I don't care what your background is. I don't care how much money you have. If you do not see yourself in the mirror as somebody who can, you will not do anything. You will sit on your butt. You will complain. You will get critical of everyone around you. You will deal with comparison crap during pageant week. If you've ever wondered why some people can be almost laissez-faire and really calm, yes, some of that has to do with personality, but you absolutely prepare, you either prepare for success or prepare for failure. But the great thing is you guys, you are in a hundred percent control of that. You are in the driver's seat of that. And I'm sure Allie could even speak to the difference between state the first year and state the second year. I can speak to who I was at Miss America six years ago and who I was at Miss Nebraska USA. Like I was completely calm the entire weekend for Miss Nebraska USA and it's not arrogance and it's not in a way where you're like, I got this. Like I'm better than everyone else. It's just like, no, you don't need to be mean. You don't need to be extravagant and like make yourself seen and worry about every little thing. Cause if you know that you've come in and you've done the work and you've learned to trust yourself and trust your own preparation, there's this elegance and this poise and this 
you know, just confidence that is so authentic. Like Ali said, that passion just can't help but come out from the inside of you because when you're squeezed, what is on the inside will come out. If it's orange juice, it's going to, if it's, you know, orange juice is going to produce orange juice. If it's apple on the inside, it's going to produce an apple. Oh my gosh. I literally was just going to say that. I was going to say, really? Orange. I literally, I was like, don't try to be an orange if you're an apple. Mm. That's so great. High That's five. So funny. Yeah. But seriously, you guys, I just hope that like you can take away from that. Like being an amazing title holder can look like a million different things. Every personality can win. Every nationality can win. Every height can win. But guess what? At the end of the day, there are qualities that you have to produce. You yeah. cannot be lazy. You cannot expect people to do things for you. You cannot hate who you are. You cannot learn the fundamental, not learn the fundamentals. You can't not, how to do your, not know how to do your hair and makeup. You can't not pay attention to style. You can't do these simple things. But the great news is if you do those things, it can look like a million different things. So Allie, in closing, I'd love for you to just kind of speak to what you really think are those undeniable characteristics that somebody has to have to be successful? And um, what are maybe some of the misconceptions or things that you've noticed or seen that you think are like the reason why people keep placing in the top five and never win? Like the things that they almost do to self-sabotage. Yeah. And then the things that you think are like, you guys, it, I promise you, if you just do these things, like you will at least get top 10 or at least get top five or get better because like these are the qualities of a leader. So I'd love to I was just having this conversation yesterday. I did a Zoom call with all my title holders, my 2020. Oh, cool. Oh, that's cool. I said around this time in prep for a state competition, the thoughts of comparison might be trying to come into your brain, right? Because in Nebraska, we are prepping for orientation at the end of this month and their paperwork is coming. It's due, their headshots selection was due. And so I told all of my girls, if you find yourself scrolling through social media on someone else's page that you're going to compete against, shut that down immediately, right? Comparison never solved any problems and it didn't certainly didn't help you become a better you of knowing your own identity. Right. And so a couple, a couple things that I wanted to hit on of just kind of what you, you touched on too. It is so true that any personality can win. And a lot of times we think when you hear the words, okay, be authentic and, and shine on stage, you automatically think that you have to be loud and bubbly and extra and over the top. Mm -hmm. If that is not your personality, please don't mishear me. That is not what we are telling you to do at all. If you are if you are a serious driven business person that doesn't have to be the center of attention all the time, but you, you know, your stuff, right. And that's your, you want to show poise and elegance on stage. Cool. You don't have to be loud and bubbly and whatever. If you are, if you like to be the life of the party and you like to be bubbly and you're happy and silly all the time, like great. Then what is a balancing characteristic that you can also show to show some warmth at the same time. And so that's where knowing your personality type, knowing that pros and cons can help with that. Because if you try and give them an authentic version of you, but then take the outer edges of that, if someone's coming from a different perspective of you and say, you know, I'm still going to, for me, I'm, I'm very bubbly. I'm, I talk really fast. Right. And so I know that not everybody responds to that. So sometimes I need to slow down. I need to show some warmth. I need to show some inflection in my voice. I need to raise my eyebrows. I've learned mm-hmm. that because I can't be all the time to people because that's too intense. Right. And so many times at state competitions and even at Miss America, like you see the person who wins and you automatically think I have to be that next year to win. Or if I'm going to win in Nebraska, I have to be Ali Swanson. If I'm going to win in Massachusetts, I have to be blah. If I have to win in New York, I have to be this, right. If I have to be Miss America, I have to be the, the Miss America that just won. Take the last two years. Okay. Nia, and our current Miss America, Camille, couldn't be more different, mm-hmm. right? And so it's so true. Be authentically, and I think that's the number one thing, mm-hmm. if I leave anybody with any piece of advice, is authenticity. I think mm-hmm. that is the biggest thing that you can have because mm-hmm. if you're authentic in your social impact initiative, then it's going to shine. If you're yeah. authentic in who you are, you're going to know your personal stories. Mm-hmm. If you're authentic in your responses, Hey, you're going to sound like a normal human being. You're not going to sound like a robot regurgitating information on stage because mm-hmm. as a judge, I'm like, uh, Ew. is that how you're going to give a topic to an all school assembly is just 
of memorized speech with no inflection. Like no, thank you. Authenticity. Yeah. That's, that's, I want someone who's refreshing, right? Mm -hmm. I want to see who you are. I want to see why you are who you are. I want to see what has made you to be Mm -hmm. this beautiful person with these specific individual passions. Like that is something to be celebrated and it's not a cookie cutter one size fits all solution. And so to answer your question, I think it's authenticity is the biggest Mm -hmm. thing. Um, because that initiates a proper mindset that initiates that inner yeah. confidence and all yeah. the pieces that kind of go with that. Yeah. And I would say too, um, in addition to that, that learning your identity is the only way to breathe authenticity because you can't slap a label of authenticity on something without getting to the root first. And so I just encourage you guys dare to get uncomfortable, dare to, open and sweep out the cobwebs in the dark places that you might be afraid to confront. Mm -hmm. If you naturally are a person who doesn't like confrontation, um, sometimes growth takes confronting yourself. It takes confronting the mindsets that aren't working for you. It takes confronting your past, maybe the trauma that you've walked through or the old family patterns that aren't serving you well, or the friendships that you need to cut off. Um, this will be episode five um, of the new season. So episode, I think 48. And one of the ones I'm posting before this is talking about that and just talking about how to set yourself up for success in 2020, you have to be decisive. You might be an indecisive person by nature. You might get overwhelmed by decisions by nature. But I think when you have a dream that's really worth it and then you understand kind of um, identity is point A. And I think achieving the dream is point B. And somewhere along the lines of that, you have to engage your identity with your passion, which is going to align your actions in the direction of your future to actually align yourself with that. But the great news is, is it actually is pretty, it's pretty formulaic when you think about it. And national pageants are different. Let me just say that national pageants are kind of a crapshoot just to be completely honest. You never know what they're looking for. Certain pageants, um, it's just the top 15 certain pageants. The national directors actually have a say in it and that's totally okay. Either way, just kind of know what system that you're in, but your state pageant, those are equal and fair and it is what it is. And those are cookie cutter in a way where it's like, you know what? Yes. Weird things happen sometimes, but it's pretty formulaic and that the best girls are going to win. And so the great thing that I always tell my clients is I'm like, you're in control of when you get, go to bed and get up every day. You're in control of, uh, read the book Atomic Habits if you haven't. I'm giving it to all my one-on-one clients. It's the 1% effort things that you do every single day. You're either breaking your word and breaking your trust with yourself or you're growing your trust with yourself. And also just don't be defeated by the journey. I always tell my clients, you have to be committed to the process, not committed to the end result. If you're committed to the end result, you're going to be devastated and disappointed the second that something happens outside of your control. Bang, that is so good. And that is something too that I wanted to just leave everybody with because there's a difference between cock or there's a difference between confidence and cockiness. Mm-hmm. Just like so many times in and I've seen this time and time after again, if you have competed for a state title and did not come home with the state title, mm-hmm. right? And if that's happened to you more than once, don't let that sense of entitlement creep in because mm-hmm. that is that's so dangerous, right? It's, it's a balance. You want to go into competition week already won here. You've already won. Meaning that regardless of the outcome, whether I become Miss whatever or not, I'm good. I know that at the end of the day, I'm Ali Swanson and that is good enough for me, but I expect it because I've prepared and my actions can follow that up, right? I'm not just, wishing for, that to happen. I'm not just wishing for that to happen. And I just think, well, I'm the best. And so that's going to happen. Or mm, I got first runner up three years in a row. And so it's going to happen. No, yep. I put in the work and I know I'm going to do that. But at the end of the day, I'm still going to be okay because mm-hmm. I decided to do that. Right. Yeah. And you, I think in that preparation process, you have to stay in an attitude of learning and humility at all times. hundred percent. Because when someone is not humble along this journey, it's so ugly. It's so, I don't care what your personality is. I don't care what you've achieved. The moment you cross over from humility to cockiness, it's, it's ugly for everybody and no one wants to be around you. And so that's such a, I think that's such an important part when we're talking about authenticity because you got to walk that line, right? You want to stay in humility and be authentic to yourself. And maybe that is 
taking the L on something sometimes or taking the lesser route and, or not shining when you naturally do, or, you know, being humble. Those, those are moments that craft you and shape you as well. And all of those things prepare you for life and to be an empowered woman and to accomplish that state title. Um, yeah. But yeah, I just wanted to say that as well. Yeah. yeah. You guys, you find out who you are when something doesn't go your way. You really do. And so I just encourage you to check yourself before you wreck yourself. To be completely honest, you will either embarrass the crap out of yourself or you will find yourself with a surrounding of sisters that will cheer even louder for you when it's your time. Yeah. And I was incredibly devastated after Miss America six years ago. I think everybody goes in, they're like Esther 4:10, whatever that scripture You're is. That joke this year this is my time. <laughs> and then 50 of you, my year we had 53 contestants. So 52 of us walked away disappointed. And I remember carrying my dress behind me in Atlantic City on the boardwalk because once it's over, it's just kind of over. And that's why, you know, Allie and I both have such a radical passion for women and understanding their identity because Allie watched me walk through it. And then three, three, four years later, she walked through it. Um, and now we've been able to help so many other women walk through it. And I just want to encourage you guys really work on that. And it's going to take time. It's not going to be a snap of your fingers. You're not going to be able to undo 20 years, 25 years of self-doubt and discouragement and your surroundings and whatever's happened to you in a matter of seconds, but you also can heal as quickly as you want to heal. And you can, and surrounding yourself with great mentors, hiring a pageant coach, hiring an interview coach, hiring just a success coach, or, you know, paying, I don't know, even like grabbing coffee with a girl who is maybe 20 years older than you who has some life experience and just saying, Hey, I want to pick your brain. I'm going to buy you coffee every two weeks. Maybe that's the budget that you have right now. Just commit in 2020 to really surrounding yourself with the people who are going to take you to the next level and don't allow people to speak into your life that you wouldn't trade places with. Um, because a lot of times the people who will want to swarm you are the people who want to bring you down and just really turn the eyes and the ears of your spirit and your intelligence on, because the right people will show up. And like I'll talk, like I talked about on, at the time of this recording, um, an episode a couple weeks ago is the mentee. When the, when the mentee is ready, the mentor always shows up. I've seen that time and time again in my own life. And just dare to do big things, you guys, this year. But really work hard on the process um, of becoming the person that you want to become. Because when you commit yourself to the process, you'll never lose. Because the, the gifts and the knowledge that you will instill as well as the emotional intelligence that you will instill in yourself along that journey are things that you will truly use the rest of your life. So Allie, do you have any closing thoughts before we finish this episode? I just want to say you guys are awesome and don't make the outcome your identity. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like you're better than that. You guys, this is maybe one season of your life and there's so much more life to live if, even if it doesn't Mm -hmm. go your way. So you are more and just choose to be more and choose to be ever growing in your own identity and discovering the beautiful you that you are. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Allie. You guys can follow her at Miss America NE on Instagram, obviously Miss Nebraska on Facebook, and then also at Real Allie Swanson on Instagram. A-L-L-I-E. A-L-L-I-E, the right way. (laughs) Like we always say in my family. Awesome. Love you, sis. And thanks so much, everybody, for watching. We will, and listening, we will see you next week. Well, thanks so much for listening to this episode of season two of the Powerhouse Podcast. I'm Coach Megan. As always, you can follow me at Megan underscore Swanson. You can DM us to join our email list. You can follow us at Powerhouse Pageantry or at the Powerhouse Project. And I'm so excited to get to continue to pour into your life spiritually, physically, financially, emotionally, mentally, and relationally. Wow, that's a mouthful. In this beautiful year of 2020, never forget your worth, stand up for what you believe in, and allow your spirit to stand up on the inside of you to show you who you really are. Have a great day.